You're listening to Fly By Night, a podcast by FedEx Pilots for FedEx Pilots, brought to you by the FedEx Master Executive Council of the Airline Pilots Association. And now, here's your host, MEC Communications Chairman, Captain Chris Lee. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Captain Pat May, your Negotiating Committee Chairman. Pat, let's talk about the retirement project. How's that project going? It's been a little quiet lately. We initially came out with a lot of education in an effort to inform and educate the pilots on the process and what you were looking into. Where does it stand now? It's a great question, but before I get into that, I do want to say that, look, I've been really thankful that the MEC has had the leadership and provided us the resources to go and do this work that really was requested and driven by survey information from the pilots, direct contact with the pilots, that they wanted a deeper dive and deeper understanding of what we didn't achieve in previous contracts and what what items we should look at in retirement. So that leadership that, that has afforded us the ability to do this work has been really critical, uh, whether it comes to an ultimate agreement here with the company or not. But where we're at now, Chris, is um, like you mentioned, we had a lot of um, work going into the education effort and then the actual plan development phase. That culminated with us actually putting a proposal in front of FedEx Corporation October of last year. So they have a full developed proposal in front of them that they've been evaluating since that time. Their actuaries, Mercer is the name of the firm that they use, have been asking significant questions, a number of questions over the past few months of our actuaries, Chiron, and they've been going back and forth with questions and answers to help them better understand the, the full details of the plan design to begin with. Also, obviously, they want to capture and understand the full cost or the expected cost to FedEx of what this plan would be or would mean. And there's um, obviously uh, some variance in some of those costs. Like one of the features, obviously, this look-back provision, which we thought was an incredibly important part of the plan, they need to understand what those borders look like, what the low is and what the high is on the, the look-back provision. So the, the company's been doing that work, or really Mercer's been doing the, the large uh, portion of that work back and forth, and we've been kind of in waiting mode in the negotiating committee, just waiting to hear back from the company. Now, of course, we've been in communication trying to get updates, and we see all the questions that go back and forth and the answers from Chiron to Mercer. So we believe they're at the end of that stage now. In this past month, they finished up that work. We believe now FedEx is determining whether or not they need to or have the ability to bring a counterproposal to us. Um, We expect to have an answer in the next 30 days or so as to whether or not FedEx wants to move forward with this project. We hear a lot of rumors, Pat, about the retirement plan, and some of them get pretty far out there. One of them that we hear is that we're giving away our pension. Uh, Can you speak to that and, and help pilots understand that that is not the case? Yeah, that's obviously a very important issue for our pilots. In fact, that was um, my reason for choosing FedEx over Southwest was just because of our pension. So I I came here because of that. I didn't have a pension with the Air Force. I left the Air Force before then. So it was a big deciding factor for me to come here. So I get the pilot's concern that anybody would do anything to damage or undermine the large foundation aspect of their retirement. This project was not designed to remove or withdraw or to eliminate the pension. The idea of the project was to, number one, understand FedEx's concerns that they've raised time and time again in contract negotiations about the cost of improving the the A-plan. 
So we had to get our hands around that because, as you know, our pilot's pension is wrapped up in the larger trust fund of the larger employee group. So so we don't sit in isolation as 4,000 to 5,000 pilots in a trust. We're in the larger employee group. So that's the first aspect of something that we needed to understand. Now, once we understood that portion of it, we needed to try and design some ways to improve the A-plan. So how do you improve the A-plan while you deal with the company's limitations or reasons not to want to negotiate? And part of that is their accounting costs, um, their projected benefit obligations that are on paper pretty significant, especially if you incorporate a new change like an increase to the cap. But it's very easy for us to take the current formula and look at improvements and how would now, what would say changing the cap to $300,000 cost the corporation. So we know those numbers and we know, and it's very easy for us to, to produce those results. What we also wanted to do in getting our hands wrapped around that larger issue was also to come up with some alternatives. You know, what could we be successful with in terms of an improvement to an A plan? And one of those options was design a brand new pension, one that makes sense and one that deals with those issues that FedEx has brought up in um, negotiations time and time again. So there's a product out here. It's called the Variable Benefit plan and it comes by many names and it's seen, you know, depending on how it's marketed by the various firms that that actually design and implement these plans. Um, well, let, let's stop there for just one minute, Pat. Speaking of the variable benefit plan, we have done actually the same thing as we've changed the name to Pilot Stabilized Pension Plan, the PSPP. Talk to the pilots about why that change came about. So early on in the development, um, we called it kind of by its generic name, which is a variable benefit plan. And there's lots of variable benefit plans out there. But the important aspect of the variable benefit plan was a change in, to law in 2014 that allowed the, the actuarial firms to design these, these variable benefit plans with stabilization features. And the stabilization gives it smoothing effects. Uh, so it takes off the highs and lows of the underlying market performance. And we found to keep this plan as closely representative of the current A plan and to minimize risk, we wanted to have a lot of these features built into the new plan moving forward, which means you have floor guarantees and you have potentially, um, which would need to be negotiated, you'd have post-retirement stabilization features, you have you know certain hurdle rates. So these features of it make it stabilized. So to get away from the variable benefit term, we wanted to really put our own uh, nomenclature, our own word on it that made sense, that described it better than a variable benefit plan. And the, the pilot's stabilized pension plan was an appropriate name change. Now, of course, it didn't happen until, you know, very late, right before we actually presented the, the proposal to FedEx that we felt like we needed to name this something closer that better defined what it actually was. So that was the reason for it. Are the stabilized features, are they tied to what you mentioned earlier with the look back? So the look back provision that we outlined, number one, that came directly from pilot input from surveys was they were very concerned about losing benefit that they knew they would accrue in the current pension formula. So we had to provide a way to guarantee that. And we feel like that really, even though it's a high bar in negotiations, it sets out a clear, bright line and an expectation that pilots had or have when they came to FedEx. That look back provision is an additional stabilizing feature, um, and it costs obviously FedEx money to provide this, but it deals directly with the concern of our pilots that feel like we're going to change the rules midstream and that they may end up with a, a lower pension 
than what they thought they were going to have. And what we've said is, no, look, if you still fly that same schedule, you still do those same things and you meet that same formula limitations that are built into the current plan, that you, in fact, will, at the end of the day, when you go to retire, that will be part of the formula. They will compare what you would have earned in the old A plan compared to the combination of the new A plan, the new pension, with the old pension. And if that result produces a smaller amount, well, then the company needs to plus you up and get you to where you would have been in the old A plan had we never moved you up. So with the stabilized feature that you just described, FedEx having the potential to plus pilots up, why would they be interested in this new program? For FedEx in negotiations, it's not just FedEx, it's any corporation out there with a pension on their books. There's significant law change that happened with the 2006 Pension Protection Act. It was good for the employees, right, because it secured their pension in a way that previously you'd seen attacks and undermining of employees' pension through bankruptcy court and through termination, distress terminations, and even takeovers and hostile takeovers of companies where they would target these large pensions and they would really withdraw or, or remove uh, trust money from those. Well, the 2006 Pension Protection Act took care of a lot of those concerns and it shored all that up. But in doing so, it placed heavy cash and accounting costs on the company's books so that any change to the pension, any future change, obviously uh, there's a multiple of that impact on the, the accounting of any corporation that has a pension in, in place. So that's where the friction comes in with FedEx because at the end of the day, they have to justify to their board of directors a cost improvement that is significant with regard to the company's balance sheet to a pension for a select group of employees. Now, keep in mind, when they negotiate with us as the only unionized group, there's a non-unionized group, which is all the other employees that see in, in that impact is important to FedEx. And what you know what they're doing with us, how that plays out with the rest of the employees is important to them. There's a significant group of pilots, pilots that have been in the 15, 16 to 20-year range at FedEx that are under the impression that this new retirement plan uh, the PSPP, is not going to be as good for them or harmful. Uh, what can you tell us about that? Well, first, I think that's kind of the impact of social media and something that we have to be extremely concerned and, and watchful of because we're trying to put a plan in front, a complicated plan you know, that t- takes some understanding and evaluation by pilots. But you do have folks that, for one reason or another, don't want to see us make a change to the current pension plan whether they feel like they have no skin in the game or they feel like they're okay with an unchanged or unimproved pension plan um, to me, but that's unacceptable, right? I mean, we've been under the same pension number, what it produces since 1999. And the maximum dollar it can produce is a $130,000 pension. If you exclude the pay bump multipliers, the pay service multipliers that were in place in 99 and 06, because many of us, if we didn't hit that age pay multiple or service multiple, we weren't going to get an increase. So today, most of these pilots in this middle demographic group didn't see or haven't seen, uh, and that's two people out of three in the negotiating committee. It's a majority of the MEC. Um, We have seen no improvement in our pension for two decades, but we see that 3% per year reduction in terms of purchasing power is occurring, and it's taking a hit on that $130,000, while at the same time we have this growing delta between that pension amount and what we're earning as FedEx pilots. 
But to get back to that middle demographic group, there really isn't this big hole in the middle of the demographic in terms of improved pension. We see vast improvements across the large portion of FedEx pilots. Now, what we do is we have specific modeling Chiron provides. And that modeling, we call it a heat map or a color map. And that modeling lets us see who actually turns up a negative uh, pension in this transition. And it's not the middle group. It's not the 10, 15-year guys. It's pilots that get hired here late in life, say 50 to 55 years old, and they don't have enough time to develop, obviously, a maximum pension in the current plan. And it's very hard for them without a high-five multiple in the pilot stabilized pension plan to make up that difference. And again, that gets back to the look-back provision where we plus those pilots up. So the middle demographic, I think it's on social media, it's gotten blown up and maybe in the crew room rumor mill, uh, there's a feeling that they're not going to benefit from this plan. But the modeling we've done with these numbers and based off of actual pilot demographic information, real pilots with real W-2s, we see pretty significant improvements over the life of the pilot's career. Another statement we hear often is, why don't we use experts? And you just mentioned Chiron. Chiron is our actuarial expert, correct? That's correct, Chris. Early on in the project, we knew that we needed to bring in outside experts to give us a different look and a different viewpoint of what we have here as a retirement package, not just the pension alone, but the overall retirement package, you know, what the D.C., uh, the defined contribution plan offers in, in totality with our pilots when they go to retire. And Chiron obviously was because of their proprietary modeling that they could produce for us and the ability to manipulate the modeling specific for FedEx pilots was uh, what drew us to them and what ultimately decided you know, to go with them. We also uh, sought some outside help with the consultant Dave Blitzstein, who is significant consultant in terms of retirement work. He's been on uh, or he's a member of the PBGC at one point. He worked for the United Food and Commercial Workers, Kroger. So he's worked on substantial size plans, much larger than ours, with many more employees. And his overall help has been more from an academic and industrial standpoint. And what happens with pensions across the board, the attack on pensions that we see going on, he's helped us kind of view some longer-term strategic issues and bring focus to our specific issue and, and how best to work through really a very complicated problem that we have to try and improve our pension. Our pension plan currently and anything we would do in the future, uh, my understanding is it, it's heavily regulated. Another comment we hear is that we're just flat out going to get out negotiated. Can you speak a little bit about that and your role in dealing with the company, how we protect against that? Yeah, the pension world is heavily regulated. There's federal law that backs up our pension. There's federal reporting requirements. There's mandatory minimum contribution requirements. There's a high level of oversight. And FedEx does not want to be outside the box on that. They do not want to have any conflict of interest. So the you have that aspect of pension law. Then you also have the fact of when you're writing language for retirement, we bring in, again, the outside consultants, Chiron, uh, but we also have ERISA attorneys that have to be involved with this project. It's not pilots writing the larger document language here. We have the ERISA attorneys that are essentially writing language. We have our own in-house attorneys 
that are overseeing the language and helping provide information for that and the development of the contractual language. So you have two layers. You have the contract that the pilots see and view, and then you have the larger underlying plan document that really spells out in, in significant detail the, the pension. Uh, so you have layers of, of oversight in a negotiation, and as a negotiating chairman, it's important that, that I make sure we bring in the right resources at the right time without wasting union money, union dollars, but that we put the right resources in place uh, so that they, they can uh, provide the input and the oversight that's needed as we develop contract language like this. It's not quite as simple as, say, putting down some pay rates and saying, well, these are the new pay rates for next year. I mean, that's pretty straightforward information, and it's, it's one single item uh, versus a retirement plan or insurance plan document that has significant oversight and significant uh, language that that holds it up underneath the contract. How can pilots help you and support you while you're at the table? So the biggest thing I think the pilots could do is just to stay informed. We provide them with lots of resources. We've been very upfront about and have been very transparent with what we've been working on. We've provided extensive documentation in both the current plan that we have and also the project that we have ongoing. So the pilots can go to the fdx.alpa.org website and they can look at any of that information. When we send out information or we try and use these different forms of communicating with the pilots, some things work better for some pilots than others. Some pilots like videos, but whatever it is that the pilot chooses to to use, just use something, right, to stay informed. I would try and say, look, I mean, the social media thing is oftentimes it causes more problems for us internally uh, because it puts bad information out there without any filter. And they and essentially pilots can say whatever they want um, without any repercussions. We can't do that. We don't have the ability, nor do we want to do that. Everything we say has to be factually backed up, and we have to support what we say with real details and real facts. We certainly don't want to be in the social media world arguing with pilots or debating online. We feel that it undermines both our authority and our ability to negotiate for the pilots. Uh, you know, you don't see FedEx out there on their own social media website or a website trying to um, draw out arguments or talk about their internal struggles, uh, whether it's from a management perspective or or dealing with business issues. They just don't do it, right? It doesn't work for them. It's not helpful for their business. Um, and I can say the same thing in general. Social media does not help our business of trying to provide benefits for our pilots and to provide the union that you want to support your pilots and to prevent or prevent any any problems down the road with with contractual issues. You know, the social media aspect can really cause problems with that because and now it takes up time because we have to deal with some things that blow up on social media and end up in, say, emails and inboxes with bad information. Thanks for coming, Pat. We've created an email address, fdxpodcast at alpha.org. Please email us there. Any topic ideas you have, any feedback, and be safe, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>